0: This podcast is actually the first of a two-part presentation entitled, Our Human Nature and Sexuality. Today on Brewing Faith, we'll focus on human nature. What makes us tick? Who are we as human beings? What makes up our nature, which is different than all other creatures? We'll look at how we understand manage and experience our unique nature. Part 2 will explore human sexuality, what it is, and how our nature shapes our understanding of sexuality. So grab your favorite cup of brew, kick back, and let's get started. Scripture tells us that human beings are both flesh and spirit. But how do we understand ourselves as flesh and spirit? What's it like to be a spirit attached to a physical body? Let me pause here for a quick distinction. Christians believe we are born with a soul, not because we're Christian, but because we're human. Every person has a soul, which is different than our spirit. Some image the soul as God's life and grace within us. I would like to image my soul as God's DNA within me. DNA found in all organisms is considered the building blocks for life. It will always link me to my parents, to where I come from, and it will always show something of their image in me. Having divine DNA forms us in the image of God who is spirit. No wonder by sharing that DNA, we too are spirit. That's right, we don't have a spirit, we are a spirit. Let's peel that back a bit to look at what that actually means. Teharde Shadan says, and I quote, "We are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Wow, We should repeat that last part often. I am a spiritual being experiencing what it's like to be human. How does this view change how you see and understand yourself and others? Would it shape how you live your life? Because we are spirit, each one of us is spiritual, not by religion but by nature. When I use the words spiritual or spirituality in this podcast, I refer to our nature, not religion. A simple way to understand our spirit is it's the I, the me, that makes up myself. It's the part of me that will never show up on an MRI. A blood screen or under a microscope? If I wanted to see how accepting or judgmental I am, how generous or selfish I am, would we x-ray the left elbow, my right knee? What kind of blood test would show how honest or dishonest I am? Would a biopsy from one of my organs reveal if I'm patient? If I'm prejudiced, our spirit is the core of who we are. Our true identity is spirit. What traits are a part of your spirit? Which ones need strengthening? Which ones might need to go? Our spirit comes from God. While our parents give us our bodies, our spirit is not a product of the physical world. Thus, our spirit, small case, reflects God who is the spirit, all cats. Our journey, then, is what we make of our life as a spirit. What do we do with it? How we use it? How do we nourish and strengthen it, express and mature it? Reflecting the divine life within us, our spirit is already immortal, living in a mortal body. We are already eternal, living in a finite reality. Our spirit is immeasurable, it's endless boundless, limitless. Our body is not. Think of a 60-watt bulb plugged into a nuclear reactor. Our spirit is too expansive for our limited body because our spirit comes from God, is connected to God, energized by God, and is being pulled back to God. The ancient Greek philosopher Plato knew this. Quote, We are on fire because we come from the beyond, and that which is beyond is trying to draw us back to itself. God is always pulling us back to himself, and we are always reaching for what is beyond us, pushing onward pushing outward. This highly energized life ultimately is the force that drives everything else. It animates us and makes us incapable in this life to reach complete rest and peace. Saint Augustine said, Our hearts are restless till they rest in God. No wonder it's only when someone dies that we say, they rest in peace. As a result, we humans are forever fidgeting, always dissatisfied and frustrated. Everything that is attainable in this world is still not enough. We are always pushing for more, which has both positive and negative consequences. For example, as humans, we got tired of walking around. So we rode horses and invented the wheel, which led to chariots and wagons. But we weren't satisfied. Wanting to go faster, we invented cars and trains. Not satisfied with staying on the ground, we invented the airplane. Not satisfied, we wanted to go into outer space. Not satisfied? Let's go to the moon. Still not satisfied? Now we're on our way to Mars. This push for more, for better, is not necessarily bad. It's why we have indoor plumbing, electricity, TV, the medical advances in the technology we have today. But our thirst for always more can also be destructive. Our weapons went from a stone in a sling to take out one person to nuclear bombs which can affect millions. The thirst for more crashed our economy in 2008 leaving six million people without homes and pensions lost over two trillion dollars. Many of our advancements are killing or claimants. More is not always better. Now, think of all other creatures. They are close to living as they have lived for thousands of years, content to be as they are. We humans are not. What causes your discontentment? What is the more you long for? This longing for more at the center of who we are has different experiences. We experience it as pain, frustration, dissatisfaction, incompleteness. I can't do it all, can't be it all, can't have it all, and despite what some of us might think, can't know it all. But we can also experience this longing for more as a pull, an attraction. We gravitate towards what is beyond us. We're drawn to love, beauty, creativity, improvement. We have a thirst for discovery and for connections beyond ourselves. This drive for always more shows up as a disturbing pain or an exciting hope. Spirituality in human nature is about what we do with that longing, that fire within. How we manage and channel, express and respond to the pain and the joy it brings. This constant push outward shapes our actions, behaviors, attitudes, and values. It gives us a choice in whether our spiritual nature is life-giving or destructive, about community or isolation, harmony or alienation. It's about being integrated, we're falling apart. When do you experience this dynamic tension within you? How can you channel your spiritual energy in a positive way? Speaking of integration, did you know that's one of the Spirit's function? First, physical integration Our body is a mixture of chemicals and minerals. As long as our spirit is bound to the body, we are physically alive, and all our organs and parts work together to form a single unit greater than the parts. Once our spirit leaves, the body stops and dies. Our systems, which work as one, begin to fall apart, they detach and decompose. Jesus himself confirms that it's the Spirit that gives life. Once our Spirit is called forth, disintegration of the body occurs. Second, psychological integration. Our Spirit helps to keep mind and heart together. Which allows for integration of our thoughts and emotions, our attitudes and values. In other words, our inner self. With an immature or neglected spirit, our inner world can crumble. We refer to someone falling apart, becoming unglued, unhinged. I don't know who I am, where I'm going. I have beliefs that I don't value. What I value, I don't live. I'm not in harmony with myself. Rather, a mature, healthy spirit enables wholeness and harmony within my inner life. What I believe, I value. What I value, I live. I have integrity. It gives us a zeal for living and always desires connection with others beyond ourselves. Have you ever had times when you felt your world was falling apart, becoming unglued? Ever lose a sense of purpose or direction in your life? Today, our culture trivializes the experience of painful discontentment, restlessness, frustration. It's viewed as negative, and in trying to distract ourselves, we forget we are an immortal spirit made for eternity. We focus instead on immediate frustrations and disappointments, and to escape that, we turn to alcohol and drugs sex, money, power, gambling, and even violence. But the solution must be the awareness that the answer is not primarily physical. The solution is an inner journey. It is the journey of the Spirit, which is our core and holds God's life at its center. Today, like never before, we are disconnected from our spirit. We live life as if we were only a physical being. When we deny our spiritual nature, we are absent from our own life. We have abandoned our own selves. We must accept and embrace our full humanity both flesh and spirit. We must learn to be gentle with our and others' limitations, frustrations, and incompleteness. We will only find peace and happiness if we stop demanding that life, family, friends, job, church, community give what they cannot give the ability to completely fill us, to completely satisfy us. Nothing less than union with God will ever fill us completely, will ever give us true, deep, and lasting rest and peace. Human spirituality is what we do with the energy and fire within us, It is the root of all love, and all hate, all joy, and all sadness, all connectedness, and all isolation. It's the root of all violence and all peace. And it's our choice to make. I am delighted to have Lauren Barbato as our guest today and grateful she has generously offered her time to share her experiences and insights into the mystery of our human nature. Lauren is a doctrinal student in religion and gender studies at Temple University, where she also teaches religion to undergraduate students. She holds an MFA in creative writing from Rutgers University, and Lauren is currently a member of the Vision Council for Call to Action, which is a Catholic nonprofit focused on justice-oriented church reform. So thank you, Lauren, for being here with us today. I understand that over the past few years, you have been grappling with this mystery of our human nature as both spirit and flesh, leading you to a deepening awareness of yourself as a spiritual being. Can you speak a bit more about that?
1: Sure, and thank you again for having me today, Sister Mary, and I hope my answers will be somewhat helpful <laughs> or insightful. Um, and insightful. I should start by saying that I grew up Catholic. I am a cradle Catholic, so that has definitely, I think, influenced and impacts on my, my life journey and what I might share today. Um, I'm also thinking about that because I completely forgot that this week begins uh, Lent. And uh, (laughs) so I was thinking a little bit this week about Lent um, and the Lenten season, because that has always been my favorite season and still is. I feel like growing up in the traditional or institutional church, and I didn't go to Catholic school, but I went through CCD, and I was very involved in the institutional Catholic church. And I think about that, too, because last year, I felt very disconnected. I felt really connected at the beginning of Lent and then the pandemic hit and I felt kind of disconnected from the church. It was hard for me to go to digital mass. And so I felt very disconnected during Holy Week. And one of the reasons um, why I bring that up is because I think in substance abuse issues and I am sober now. And so it was right before I got sober when um, I started going to Catholic mass again I received communion for like the first time in eight years. I also thought with my personal story too, that I would be excluded from communion. And I kind of thought God rejected me. So I had a big resentment against God, which is very common among uh, the recovery rooms and the rooms of like AA. Cause then when you get sober, there's a lot of disagreement though about those 12 steps, you know, whether or not um, those programs work or work for everybody. But there is a lot on... Uh, This transformation of the consciousness, whether you want to call it God or a higher power, higher power of your own understanding, psychic changes and spiritual experiences. And so I kind of felt that when I got sober a little more than two years ago, I felt like being drawn to certain things. I became involved with some Catholic um, nonprofits and found progressive Catholics across the country. Um, And before going on a retreat, I was like 55 days sober and I was going on one of those retreats with these young Progressive Catholics and a sober friend said to me that addicts drug themselves because the disconnect from God is so painful. I think she heard that from somebody else, and that, like, that really struck me. It's part of the experience, part of the spiritual experience, and kind of puts you on the journey of that experience. And if something fruitful can come from that discontentment or from that crying or from the sadness, you know, my friend said I was thawing out. And so I kind of learned how to lean into that thawing out um, and into that discontentment. And so while this last year has been tricky, I think it's been tricky for all of us in the pandemic, because I did feel very um, close to a higher power to my first year sobriety. I think I did have a spiritual experience while at a Catholic retreat center in Sacramento. But then the year of the pandemic, I felt a little disconnected. And so have been trying to lean into or being a spiritual being is this journey that doesn't happen like a white light experience that kind of evolves over a lifetime, if that makes any sense.
0: Yes. Um, thank you for all those um insights and sharing and your openness uh, to share your experiences of that. Thank you for that. In our previous conversations, you indicated that you felt drawn to Desjardins' quote, we are spiritual beings having a human experience. What drew you to that comment, and what about it touches your heart?
1: Thank you. Yes, I love that comment. So I, I think this seems like it would be like the the mystics would have this perspective. And I thought of, um, I had a professor who said that, like in the, Abrahamic faiths, the thinking is that man is in search of God, right? And man created the idea of God or needed the capital G God. You know, then the mystics would have the opposite, that God is in search of man. But of course, Mm -hmm. I think he stole that from Rabbi Herschel (laughs) or Heschel. Yeah, Rabbi Heschel. Yeah. (laughs) And again, I think kind of the opposite that we learn in a traditional Catholic setting. And so I think that's why I was drawn to it, because I don't think it's something I would have heard growing up or among um, a traditional, maybe institutional Catholic setting. And there's something that strikes me about it that is maybe the opposite of, um, you know, if we're born thinking that since we were born human, like that's kind of the problem that we're born human, right? And that's why we sin and that's why we do all Mm -hmm. these things. It makes me think a lot about, you know, some of the hardest things too when you go through, um, maybe trauma or your own suffering, or, you know, when in sobriety, we have to deal with a lot of, um, not just turning over our resentment, but when you look at your past, you have to clear out the wreckage of your past and, uh, then you feel shame, right? You feel like intense emotions of shame. And I, you know, I think there's like a misunderstanding in various religious circles of, um, you know, just how we treat, how we treat people with substance abuse orders, how we deal with trauma, how we deal with suffering, various types of traumas and sufferings, that I also have personal experiences in, and so there's something about this that this just strikes me as coming from a place that's not shameful and not from a place of shame, and that having the human experience, um, you know, in sinning That we're all sinners and that that's part of it. And that doesn't actually take us away from God or our higher power, if that makes any
0: sense. Sure. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Lauren, I know you studied St. Teresa of Avila's autobiography, The Interior Castle, and found connections in her writing about the discontentment and discomfort of our spirit. Does her thought reflect Augustine's our hearts are restless until they rest in God? Knowing most of us will never achieve the state of rapture, Teresa did. What ways can we lean into God in our everyday life as a way of soothing our own spirits longing for union with the divine life?
1: Yes, I think that definitely reflects St. Augustine's comment, um, our souls are restless to the rest Till they rest in God. And I often have a hard time with St. Augustine. <laughs> there is a restlessness of the soul. And it's interesting because when you, that restlessness kind of heightens, I think, the further you go in these stages of mental prayer. It's not just a restlessness you have in the very first stage, but as you near, near, and nearer to like the seventh um, castle, she calls it the seventh chamber, where then you're soul or your consciousness uh, unites with God like that's like where it's the most restless in like those six and seven stages but it's true that we'll never achieve most of us probably never achieve that state of rapture it's very difficult and she devoted her life her and her Carmelite sisters to life of, of mental prayer although it was hard for her and it's, it's so I enjoy reading her autobiography because she begins her autobiography with the sentence or with the phrase if I had Yes, if I had not been so wicked. And she um, returns to that wickedness again, and again, the earlier chapters of her autobiography, you know, that she was vain, that she only cared about her appearance. She didn't want to be a nun. Her father forced her there. She had some maybe inappropriate relationships, as she puts it, she was kind of wild. (laughs) So I like thinking of her and it goes back to the human experience as well, right? She's having very human experiences. And I think it's important to remember because we have these ideas of Catholic saints, especially the older Catholic saints from centuries and centuries ago that were like born godly. So I like the Uh going back to the other question, like imagining her as this kind of wild girl and wild woman (laughs) having a human experience. But it is true that, and that's something I think about a lot, is how can we harness like what she's talking about, she writes often like this, this uh, discontentment and discomfort of the soul. And that is part of the seven stages of prayer. In the very beginning, it requires a lot of crying. um, And having studied um, multiple spiritual experiences from various different religions last semester in my PhD program, like that crying, that discontentment and that distress is very common when you start like this really, um, really intense mental prayer and meditation um and so so i like what you said it's it's you know we, we shouldn't lean away from it but then how can we harness it in like our daily lives right you know if we're not doing practicing this this mental prayer at this when we're getting to the point of contemplation i'm thinking a lot maybe about that they require some sort of mindfulness um and uh-huh. this is also sounds very Buddhist, but there is definitely a relation between like these Catholic meditations and contemplations and Buddhism. I'm wondering if it requires some sort of mindfulness. Um, St. Teresa calls it a cultivation of self-knowledge and self-examination. That's what this requires. You know, so I think I try to place awareness of, you know, where I place my mental and physical energy. I think about um, if I have awareness of when maybe I am leaning into this longing in a more dangerous way. So as you mm-hmm. talked about too as well, um, you know, longing and desire I think is, is fascinating and that maybe growing up Catholic, we're afraid of the longing and desire because we're taught that that leads us to sin and bad things and Sir, Teresa writes often of desire and that her um, communication with God kind of grows with this desire as the desire grows. So I wonder, you know, how we cannot run away from that desire and not see it as a bad thing, but of course it can lead to uh, us overdoing it. (laughs) So I I do wonder if it's um, this awareness, right, of when I'm leaning too much into this desire in a dangerous way, in a selfish way, Um, awareness of where I'm not being kind or gentle with myself or others. I think that's what I tend to focus on you know, these days and uh, something too, I don't know if this really relates to Teresa, but maybe it was this just the longing of the, the union or the longing of the soul. You know, in, this, in the recovery circles and sobriety, we also talk about how if you are having one of those times where you're kind of in a funk and you're having that discontentment and discomfort and the uncomfortability, <laughs> what helps you is helping others. So service is part of the fellowship, right? So I constantly remind myself of, uh, if, you know, exerting my energy outward and not inward, which seems a little counterintuitive. We're talking about personal spiritual experiences, but how you take that energy outward? I think that's another way to kind of generate that discomfort for good.
0: Thank you, Lauren. The, the insights that you bring is that We do have a choice with if this longing desire is life-giving or destructive. And uh, this energy, the energy within us is always um, good to also, not only within us, but to move out towards others and seek connections with others. And I, again, Lauren, I want to express my appreciation for giving us an opportunity to hear about your reflections and experiences on dealing with the joys and challenges of being both spirit and flesh. Your insights and openness are true gifts to us, calling us all to further ponder the mystery of our own human nature. And so Lauren, thank you again. And um, we appreciate your contributions to our podcast this month and we will continue to hold you in prayer thank you i thank you for joining us today here on brewing faith as we reflected on our nature as flesh and spirit join us next time in mid-april for part two of this talk sexuality we'll look at what it is expand our understanding of how we view it and how our human nature shapes how we experience this gift of God until next time wishing you peace and all good and remember the future is bright when you bring the light Okay.